What's going on, everybody? This is George from the Unfair Advantage podcast. Uh, today's podcast is actually a phone interview I did recently uh, in preparation for the upcoming magazine that comes out in April. It is with uh, former Audi designer and longtime car designer Peter Burtwistle. Peter, most famously, uh, is responsible for the Audi Sport Quattro at Audi, but he was involved in a lot more. And so uh, without saying too much, uh, there's your introduction, and uh, let's move on to the phone call. Hello? Hello? All right, can you hear me now? I can, yes. Cool. How are you, anyway? I am doing well. I'm. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you, sir. I've, I've been uh, aware. I think I caught a, a piece on you a couple years ago when I was doing the website Fortitude about your work and um, mm -hmm. on the Sport Quattro. And so it, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to finally uh, yeah. chat with you. Well, I've got all the time, so, you know, far away, whatever. <laughs> So, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we, um, the obvious part of this conversation, of course, is Sport Quattro, but I, I guess, could you give me a, a brief background on, uh, or however, whatever depth you want to go, we're not in a rush here, if you've got time. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sure. Um, okay, I mean, I, I studied uh, design in the UK, and I got, I got a scholarship to the Royal College of Art in London, Transport design. There was a new course then. That was um, 1971, I guess. And uh, I was sponsored by that was Chrysler then, Chrysler UK. Hmm. And uh, that was a two-year course, which I graduated in, in 73. And then I went to the uh, to I went to Vauxhall's, uh, so the the GM uh, company. They, they still had they were still designing cars those days. And I uh, was there for four years, uh, but then uh, the German division of, of uh, Vauxhall, uh, Opel, started doing all the designs. <clears throat> so I started looking around, and uh, that was when I, I uh, got contacted by Martin Smith, who was, I was studied with Martin, and he was already working for Audi. And uh, 1977, when I, I left for Audi, that was, uh, that was how I got there. So that was up to the Audi times. Um, so that's 77, you say? So that's... Yeah. At, at this point, I guess, is... is um, That would be like the, the B2, the Type 81, uh, the... the... Well, when, I got, when I got... I mean, it was a real small uh, team, you know. Helmut Barkus was uh, the new uh, design director. And, uh, you know, it was... It was, a, you know, like a, like a kind of shed, you know. There was just a... One room where all the designers sat, and then there was a kind of a, a workshop where they did the modeling. And it was a really small operation. And there were only uh, four uh, four exterior designers, one interior designer. So Martin was there. There was a guy called um, uh, Gert Pfeffler, a German guy, and, and Charlie Vitoski. Uh, and then Martin and myself, the little four us, and then Barkus, uh, a few other people. But it was a real small, small team. Was, that was it, 1977. And was this in Ingolstadt or Neckarsholm? That was in Ingolstadt. Yeah, was in Ingolstadt, uh, in the in the kind of development center on the edge of the town. And uh, yeah, I mean, I got there and thrown in at the deep end. We were, <laughs> they were just, just starting to work on the um, it was the second generation Audi hundred, so that would have been the Audi five thousand, I guess, in the states. Yeah. Um, that the, the you know the aerodynamic one with the with the uh, flush uh, side glass. Oh, okay. 
that was really that was the kind of initial work that I got going on when I started. So, so from a just to put this in context for for folks who are more attuned to the brand, I'm gonna. That sounds like the beginning of what they tend to call the C3. Uh, that was the C. Yeah, that would have been C3. Yeah, okay. C3. So at this point, all the you guys are moving away from the the more kind of uh, box like the, the B two and yeah, the C two. You know that this was uh, you know uh, P had been development chief for a while, and, and you know he was he wanted to get Audi out of this kind of box, which was kind of it was the kind of favorite car for retired people and pensioners, you know, and he wanted to challenge Mercedes and BMW uh, with with kind of uh, good engineering, so he. He came up with um, he wanted the best aerodynamics and um, you know some you know innovative and innovative features. Um, um, so so that's that's how it all kind of started. That that was Ferdinand Pick. It was he. Yeah. Was he an active uh, an active presence in the design department or or? Oh yeah. Was he? Yeah yeah sure. He he, he you know he was. He was kind of present everywhere, you know. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that was he, you know that was his passion and his drive. Um, that that goes to Vargas as well, you know. Well, him and Vargas, you know, they were the, the two guys that drove, you know, out his kind of you know new vision. So, so is that the really the first project you worked on when you were there, the the one hundred? Yeah, I mean, I was thrown in a little bit in the deep end. I I, um, I did put a sketch work for that. They let me handle a model, but to be truthful, that didn't get far. And um, it was the model that uh, you know Harvard Marcus was running with Charlie Batoski and Good Fefler, and then there was another model from Martin Smith. And these two were kind of running parallel, and I was basically feeding into those programs with, with sketches and you know the artwork. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be right for me to say, you know, I, I don't know what contribution I had on them. You know, I, I did a lot of sketches and stuff. Uh, so there maybe might have been some stuff that was taken, but you know, the, it was you know the the, the 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 design that got chosen was the one run by um, Charlie Vitoski uh, and Gert Fefler under under Marcus. There was also a model that was done by Giajaro, Italian design. Uh, so they were all competing. Giajaro tended to do a model. For every program, you know, I think he was kind of buddies with Peach, and uh, huh. he, you know, he contributed to the VW group anyway with the, you know, the Mark One Golf, Scirocco, Passat, all those cars. So you know, he was always there. It tends to be attributed with the 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 B two, the early B two eighty as well. So, uh, well, that's not quite true. No, because uh, um, he what he did on that car was the um, the interior. Okay. The exterior was done by a guy called Pavel Hushek. A Czech guy uh, with Walkers, and that was the same with the coupe. Interesting. So, Jujara uh, did not do the exterior of that car. He did, I think, he did the um, initial ideas for the interior. That was the kind of that had that binnacle with six switches on the steering wheel, like in the fractional. Hmm. So I think that that was Jujara's contribution, but he didn't do the exterior. I know that's, I know it's been reported that he did, but he didn't. Well, I'll tell you, it's it, it's funny for me having followed the history of Audi and their design over the years. It's it's uh, it's sometimes you know even when you look on the websites, um, for instance, there's obviously as I'm sure you could tell me quite a bit more than I know on this, but it, obviously design of a, a given model is a collaborative effort, uh, as you mentioned with your you know your sketches on the 100, um, but maybe more attributable to other people. 
but it's it, looking at some of those. Um, I know when the Bertoni website uh, was still up uh, before they shut everything down, that their site listed the Audi 50 and um, I believe the, the. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was. Yeah, the, I think that 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 I think that is true. The, the little, the little uh, um, compact hatch. I think the Tony worked on right. And the, and the, um, sorry, and the, uh, um, the, uh, the other one I'd heard that was attributed to them was the C one, like the Coupe S, the the original one hundred Coupe. But, um, but, but, but I've learned <laughs> since from Audi. Sorry, go ahead. They were said that Barfus did that, but it may be that they used the Tony as a contract for the models and stuff. I don't know. I'd heard that one as well, but Marcus was always contributed to that one. Because, I mean, basically the car had a lot of the Tony feel about it. Right. Anyway. You know, when you look at some of the stuff there and some of the stuff, I guess, that Gandini used to do, maybe even Giugiaro used at the Tony, you know. Right. It definitely had that feel. So I, I don't know personally what involvement there was, but it doesn't surprise me uh, if that's, you know, if that's being pointed. Yeah, sometimes it's interesting to hear the story, right? Like, it, because like even Audi tradition has told me in the past, no, it's definitely Vercos who did the the one hundred. But um, it's funny with the B two. I I I own one. Uh, I own an oh, and yeah. a, a Quattro pre facelift, and um, it, I've always been told it was Jajara. But it's I, you know it's that's the muddle the muddy element of this, I guess, right? Sure. Is you have different input from different designers. Yeah. So, ba- uh, uh, yeah, the, the Pavel Hushek, so I think he was Czech, and he just had left um, just before I arrived. Okay. Uh, but his, his kind of sketches were still on the wall, still warm, you know, and, and then that was, it was him. He was a great designer. Yeah. Yeah. That era of car is interesting to me, right? Because it's so, it's funny, you used a term a little while earlier in this conversation called, you know, saying Piek wanted to get Audi out of the box. It was such a boxy era. And if you, if you look at it very quickly, that design, it's, it's almost seems like just a, a couple of boxes. But then when you look at the detail work of those cars, um, clearly not, there's a lot more going on, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, they, they had a sophistication about them. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of, uh, the A and O of car design, you know, you can have something that's a fairly, I guess a simple uh, shape, but you know uh, the, the, the sophistication that goes into to the modeling and that type of stuff. Uh, that's what kind of brings it out as a quality product. I mean, Porsche is probably the best example. You know, everybody says, "Oh, they all look the same," but I tell you, I mean, I worked for Porsche. And those cars, you know, the way they work there, they just hone those things. They work on them for months to get the sophistication of surface treatment and, and line and everything. It's just, you know, and it, and it shows. So I guess it's a similar thing. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, well, I'd love to get to that too. I'm also a, a, a huge fan of Porsche's product, but, um, uh, wh- why don't we jump back to the, to the Audi story for now? You were, you were mm-hmm. kind of involved in 100, uh, at least in contributing to the, the process of consideration. Where, where do you go after that? Uh, at Audi. Well, that, that's what happened was there were two proposals, well, three proposals if you use Giugiaro. Uh, the, the design that got chosen was the one run by uh, Varfus and with Toski and Feffler working on it. And Martin's uh, Martin Smith, who was doing an alternative proposal, um, they, they did a kind of a, what we call a teaser 
concept model, which they showed, I think at the Frankfurt Show, which was for the a prize that the German government had uh, run to show development cars, and his model was used was that in Germany it was called the Bundesforschungsauto, and that's kind of where it stopped for Martin. And that time was when uh, you know Pich, uh, uh said to him, "Well, we're thinking about this, uh, you know, this car, a four-wheel drive version of the of the coupe, yeah, which was the Quattro." Yeah. So Martin Smith got the, the job of, of handling that development, and uh, I was with him on the team, um, doing doing uh, supporting him with with sketchwork on, on the Quattro. So it was exciting stuff, and um, I mean the pro the project uh, manager was Walter Trazer, who's a real really nice guy. Yeah, and uh, a lot of I mean okay the Quattro came was announced. Uh, uh, Geneva Motor Show before they announced the, the actual basic coupe, and everybody thinks that the Quattro was done before the coupe, but it wasn't. You know, the, the Audi 80 coupe was signed off, and uh, then, um, you know, uh, they almost used the Quattro to, to promote that model. So it was basically taking the coupe design and then just modifying it. Hmm. If you look at, uh, and I have some here that I was kind of prepping for our call, I, I have a couple of wonderful books that I've picked up in Ingolstadt about uh, you know the history of Audi design and you look at some of those those drawings of the development on that car and it looks like the changes that were being considered were quite varied from more of a traditional you know widened arches uh, but arches nonetheless around the wheel wells to um, yeah. to the the box flares which are a bit more unique um, yeah I mean those I mean it was a lot of, uh, of, of kind of you know the they couldn't. They couldn't tool up new fenders, so that's why they decided to, to widen the fenders at that crease line on the, you know, down the side of the car to make things a bit more kind of, I don't know, e easier to build or more econo economical to tool up. Hmm. And uh, so that's that's kind of why they did that, because uh, you know it has the, obviously the doors of the of the standard uh, coupe. I guess was that called the four thousand in the states? I the sedan in the U.S. was uh, the four thousand. Yeah, the the B two eighty. In the coupe was coupe and uh, coupe GT was the only one we got here. You guys got the, or the Europe got the coupe quattro and the um, I think just the plain coupe as well. We only had one trim level. Yeah. So you know it was the uh, it was this you know just modifying the uh, kind of. I guess the cheapest way of widening the fenders without, you know, really getting into issues with tooling. So that's why they—that's why they widened the fenders at that crease line on the side. But, and they, you know, these these teardrop fenders—that that was kind of the way it was going. You know, it, it, was, it wasn't just Audi. I mean, I came from I came from GM, and uh, you know, a lot of the cars there that were, were, were you know, but they were going to have that feature as well. Um, and I think the original teardrop fender actually was probably a GM design because you, when you look back at things like the, I think the Pontiac Le Mans, you know, from you know the 60s, and then you think of cars like the, the Greenwood Corvettes and the Corvairs, the racing cars, they all had that kind of box uh, teardrop fender. I remember going there and I said to Martin Shield, we've got to, you know, we've got to have this kind of fender treatment on it, you know, because that's where everything's going. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, if you... um. That's interesting. The uh, um, like the, the drawing, even on the cover of this, um, the one book is very. It's it's almost like add-on arches. If you remember, like the later 
uh, the Scirocco when they had the 16 valve versions towards yeah. the end of production. And the, and the body kit that's on that car at the end of production is kind of like these arch augmentation, like the, yeah, yeah. the and, and it almost looks like the, the early drawings of the Quattro kind of are starting to go that route. And then of course yeah, we know, I mean, that, you know, that was the trend that was going on at the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was going to say, but I think the roots of it originally came from GM probably. Okay. You know, I did a kind of bit of research on that because you know there's, you know in this business everybody says oh we did that we did that <laughs> right. It's kind of interesting to go back and see what, well, where did it come from you know. Uh, but um, it, it, I think it, you know that that was a treatment I said used in some of those um, GM cars from the sixties late sixties early seventies. It's interesting to consider that you said it was a perhaps a cost driven uh, decision because you look at. Uh, the, we, I tend to refer to them as box flares, but you you look at those on the Quattro and the the you know the BMW M3, the first one, and yeah. the the Delta Integrale yeah. from Lancia. It, it's it becomes such an iconic uh, element of that time of performance exactly. cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. So so you you follow along with that project, uh, and it uh, it obviously can goes out and sets the world by storm. It, where, uh, where do you go next within Audi? Um, well, um, I guess after that, then I got involved with the um, uh, first ideas of, for the um, the Audi, the, the replacement Audi Aten. Okay. The, the, the kind of like downsized version of the C3, you know, the, the aerodynamic Audi, Audi Aten. Um, so that was what I was working on then, and um, uh, uh, so that was the, the key project, I guess. So the sport, uh, the kind of Audi Sport Quattro, that came on a little bit after that. Um, but that, that I was mainly involved with that car. So that that must have been and an the coupe, and the coupe version of it. That must have been an interesting transition for you. Well, um, before we jump back to go to Sport Quattro, which of course is a big part of this. Um, if, so if we're working on the B380 and then the coupe you just mentioned, I've seen some drawings. It looks like um, you look at like guys like Jay Mays may have been coming into play at that yeah, point. Jay, yeah, Jay, 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 that was about the time Jay joined the team. That's interesting because we were working on that. And um, Jay came in and, you know, Jay was an incredibly talented guy. And he came from Art Center in Pasadena and joined us. You know, the guy could draw fantastically. And, um, he was completely in love with a car that uh, Ital designed it called the Medusa, which I guess was based on the Lancia. And he started drawing these these kind of almost like versions of the Medusa uh, for the Audi 80 and Marcus really liked it. What we were doing in the studio uh, was probably, it was, you know, they, they didn't have the fluidity. And what Jay brought to the table was a kind of fluidity and a, and a kind of you know, a sophistication, uh, and uh, that was um, that was kind of interesting because Pete was was still really he he wanted to move things up in terms of the aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. So you see, you have the the Audi hundred or the five thousand had a had a a, uh, a drag coefficient, um, the kind of the base model with thin wheels and probably no, no wing mirrors had a, a, a two eight, and then Pete said, oh well, I want the Audi eighty. To have a drag coefficient of two three, which is, you know, those days really difficult. 
So um, I spent a lot of time in the wind tunnel at Wolfsburg. We used the Volkswagen wind tunnel trying to get uh, on models, trying to get this drag coefficient down. And Jay actually was sent to Italy. I think it was probably Pininfarina, and to do a really kind of advanced aerodynamic car. And it was not only in the terms of the body shape advanced. Um, you know, they, they had uh, all. They were using all tricks you could get to kind of get the aero down. So, for example, it had a sealed engine compartment hmm. with a. Uh, so you, you know, aerodynamics. One of the worst things is the air going through the motor room. You know, it, it just. So they sealed up the engine compartment, and they had a they had a cooler, which was like a coke can with a fan at the end. So they forced the air through this, and then they exited a vent behind the front uh, wheel arch. Uh, it used uh, um, spherical side glass, so double curvature side glass, uh, and it, it, they wound it down. It was like a kind of rocking motion. Front bit went down first, and then the back, and it what kind of went. So all this kind of very sophisticated engineering the peak was pushing, and you know, which costs money. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember we, we had a we had a design review of all the models uh, up in Wolfsburg. Um, and so we had our model from English, that was uh, the usual model from Giugiaro, and Jake turns up with this thing from, from Italy, they've done Penfrina, God, this thing looked this terrible. It was, you know, it was, it was, you know, if you look at the aerodynamic studies that were going on those days, it was, uh, you know, it was just looked like a, like a light bulb. It was going <laughs> round and God knows what, but it had a great CV, it had a great drag coefficient. Right. I think they got it down to about two. Not Jay's fault. He was just doing his job. But you know, I think they realised, well, this has gone too far. So you know, the program was then signed off for the start design, and then Jay came back and he worked on refining that. So I think it's fair to say that that, you know, well, yeah, I worked on it. But it was Jay who gave it that kind of, you know, the final sophistication of the design. And then they all cleared off. You know, Jay left. Martin Smith left. They all went to BMW for about. Three months, I think, which nobody knows. Then they, uh, they they started up a studio in Munich, uh, an advanced studio. Okay. And I was still in English that. So the, with the studio that was started in Munich was a it was an Audi studio or a BMW studio? Yeah, it was a kind of yeah, it was a strength works. Martin, I mean, they, I don't know, there was some. Martin was 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 kind of. Uh, Lured to BMW to set up, you know, they promised him the, the new position of chief designer, and a lot of politics were flying around. He took Jay, he took another guy, Graham Thorpe, with him, and they went there. And then when they got there, they realized that, well, they weren't going to give him the job. So then he, he pulled up here and said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not happy with this. Cam, I would like you to sponsor a, a kind of a design consultancy in Munich, you know. And Pig said, well, yeah, I'll do that, but it's got to belong to Audi. I'm not just going to give you money to do a studio. So they set up a studio in the Schwabing, uh, kind of trendy area of Munich, an old Renault dealership. And there was him, there was Jay, Graham, and then uh, Freeman Thomas uh, huh. joined, um, who was um, from, the, from Pasadena, from the art center. Right. Cool. And that was then they were doing things. They did the Arvis concept there and things like that. Okay. And that is about the time that I got the job to do the sport, uh, the, the sport production. Really? So there. Well, let me make sure I have this time. So, so when you got it is about when they're setting up that studio. It's not when they were designing yeah. Arvis. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that was about the time they were probably still with the BMW. Okay. So to me, Sport Quattro is pretty interesting, especially given where you were in the context of the evolution of Audi design. You're already well down the road to aerodynamics and and the B3, uh, C3 era. And now they're, they've asked you to step back and do this final penultimate uh, evolution of the Quattro. Yeah, I mean... You know, if I'm really honest about it, uh, they've, they've taken on some new designers. There was Peter Schreier. There was a guy called Irving Himmel. And um, I got the feeling they kind of parked me a little bit on the side. These were the, these were the guys that were going places. And I think Varkas said, oh, well, we'll give, we'll give Burtwistle this job, you know. Um, you know, a, a job for him to kind of get on with, and then the other guys can get on with the production stuff. So um, that's kind of how it happened. Nobody, I don't think, would have wanted to do it because it was a bit of a, <laughs> you know, a bastardization of the of the production car. Sure. I don't know. I mean, but you know, I could, I could, I could get the feeling that probably I was, you know, um, I wasn't the flavor of the month. Put it that way. <laughs> what? From what I've seen of, uh, I'll say it in case this is where you were going. From what I've seen of design over the years, I'm working with a couple of car brands that I have. I, a lot, I you can see design departments are as much about politics sometimes as they are exactly. about exactly. skill, right? I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I didn't do myself any favors there because I was a bit of a party animal, you know, and I think Marcus detected that, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, so anyway, but yeah, let's just say it's politics. Well, but and from a design perspective, it's it's almost a uh, you know today the Sport Quattro is an icon, but but back at that time I would have to imagine it was almost a step backwards. Here you have to go back to this thing that we've moved past. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? You know, because I've been quoted as saying I was thought the car, the car was pretty ugly. I remember and someone in web you can find it. You know, says Sport Quattro designer says the car is ugly. You know? <laughs> That's actually where you came onto my radar, sir, is, is catching yeah, that story. And um, I was say, wow, shit, this is iconic. How can that happen? You know? yeah. but, I mean, it, it isn't, it's not a beautiful car. It's very purposeful. You know? Right. And, uh, but then, you know, when things become legendary, they, they get this iconic uh, image. So, you know, it's, it's admired for not just the way it looks, but just for what it did and what it represented. I, I would imagine it's... It's a bit of a challenge in that I'm sitting here looking at the cover of your book, so the profile image of, of yeah. the car that's on it. It's, on one hand, the car's proportions were already established. There was a schema of, of the, design, the the profile of the car, and here you have, you know, you're changing the, the, the greenhouse because it's going to the 80s windshield and the yeah, 80s no, door. Yeah. And and um, and it's also quite brutal in its, its needs for, you know, pushing things out uh, that much yeah. further. Um, how much? I'd imagine that that's probably where some of those comments of it being ugly stem from, right? It's it changes and and for purely functional reasons in the case of the greenhouse of why it had to change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I can tell you how. It, do you want me just to explain how the whole thing happened? Would love to hear that story. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, um, basically, um, you know, um, the car, the the the. the uh, original Quattro was doing well in rallies, but uh, Hannah Mikola um, was having two problems. One was that he, he found it wasn't very maneuverable because it was the, the wheelbase, and the other one with the flat, the, the flatter 
uh, Bugs Green from the Coupe. He was getting a lot of problems on night stages with uh, reflections of, of, of like photographers with flashes. And so they wanted first they wanted a shorter wheelbase to get more maneuverability, and they wanted a, more, a steeper front screen. Um, I've also heard read somewhere, but I can't remember it at the time, that somebody said that the low roof was, was they were having issues with the crash helmets hitting the roof. I, 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 that's something I, I can't remember from the time. Okay. So anyway, the Audi Motorsport started to cobble up this prototype, uh, completely secret, nobody knew about it. And basically what they did is they took the rally car and uh, just shortened it, uh, I think it was about 35, 37 centimeters or something. Um, they solved the problem with the front screen by basing it on an Audi AT uh, two-door sedan. Um, it's not a mod modified coupe, it's a modified Audi AT two-door sedan, which not, not many people realize. Hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't based on the coupe, it was based on the, on the two-door sedan, Audi AT. So they took that, and then they um, basically they, 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 they had the, the, the rally car, uh, the, the normal rally car they just cast moldings of these kind of the front bumper and it was really crude just all these holes in it and, you know cooling is a big thing and they just cast that and then they kind of not tried to modify the side fenders and barker's got wind of this he went over to the motorsport department came back and he said there's a there's a monster over there that needs to be sorted out and, and he said we need to send in the fire brigade and then i was the fireman you know <laughs> So um, uh, basically, they were going to get it built. Well, they were going to get the bodywork tooling and modeling done by their supplier of carbon fiber parts, uh, which was a company called Sager and Hoffman. And Sager and Hoffman, they were situated on Lake Constance in Switzerland, in a little place called Stegmore. And they specialized basically in boat, they were boat builders, but then they, they got into carbon fiber. They were the first uh, kind of uh, company that started to make carbon fiber parts for race cars. Um, they worked with Sauber, so they did the Group C racer that Hans Stuck used to race with the BASF uh, colors. They also did the, some of the monocoques for the Formula One, so they did the ATS monocoque. They, they, you know, they were right up the front there in terms of carbon fiber development because the car had to have a complete carbon fiber body. And um, so that's where they decided to do the modeling and tooling to do the carbon fiber components. So I went down there, and that was the November of uh, 1982 uh, to this place. And, uh, and you know, this, this place, uh, you know, Lake Constance in November is is dead. So, you know, I arrived there, but it's like the middle of nowhere. And uh, went in, and they were, they were working on, they, they had the two, two models jigged up on, on, on modeling plates. And it was very much what Audi Motorsport had, had done. And so I had to kind of go in there and fix everything. So I had to fix all the surfaces. I had to redesign the front and rear. I had to kind of try and incorporate some of the features from uh, the coupe. Well, you know, a lot of detail work, you know, the, the detailing on the, on, on the, uh, the front uh, hood, you know, so the intakes, those vents, those kind of, uh, you know, the vents on the top and the angled vents, all that stuff, that's what I, would, I did down there. Okay. So, I, you know, I spent about uh, two months working on it, and uh, very different to um, 
the studio in Ingolstadt because the, the, they worked there, they, they were like the Italians, they worked in a kind of hard, it was like a body filler, filler. they didn't use this automotive clay, so it was this stuff, was, it was like modeling in concrete. <laughs> so you really had to focus and really just, you know, they'd put this stuff on and then it would go off and get rock solid, but they worked it really well. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that was, you know, it went on down there. <clears throat> and I, uh, I took a few Polaroids of that. They're in the book. Are they? They are, I believe they're the only pictures I've ever taken. I thought, I took those pictures, I thought, oh, shit, I'll, I'll need those one day. But <laughs> <laughs> so, I wonder, I mean, you know, we were talking about who did this, who did that, where designers get influences. I mean, the, the, the idea on the toilet, on the hood, those, those vents, uh, which were above the turbo, you know, they, that was, they were cooling, but they weren't taking air in, they were taking air out. And that year, the Formula One Ferraris, the V6 turbos, you know, they were, they had that kind of feature on the side pods, this kind of angled uh, kind of vent thing. And I, I thought, shit, that, that's a neat idea. Why don't we try it on this? So, you know, that's where it came from. And that's that, uh, to be clear, that's that venting that's on sort of the passenger. When, when you're facing in front of the car, the front of the car on the left hand side, the, on the top of the hood, those, those kind of angled vents on the top. Right. So they came, they were influenced by Ferrari Formula One. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Now I'm looking so at. That, sorry, go ahead. It. And uh, I guess it was signed off. I never saw Peak down there. Uh, Marcus put down words, I assume. We did see it, they, they seemed to be happy. They signed it off, and then that's it. And it was uh, built by Bauer in Stuttgart, I think. They, they put it put there for them. Right, the, the production. Uh, I believe it was. the. Um, so I'm as I'm sitting here, the, the bit of preparation that I did for our call, one of the things I'm looking at is I have the period, um, the press kit uh, on the car. Yeah. And I've, I've driven... A, a couple of sport quattros I had the pleasure to do that and seen you know up close with pr some production versions this one in the press kit uh license plate i or number plate yeah, i yeah, yeah, yeah. nk99 i see differences on that car that aren't yeah, 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 they were. no no is that something is is that yeah, i think i think um i think what they had there was um that was probably that car was based on the the, the model that they originally were doing in the, the sport department and I think they modified it there based on what I was doing. Okay. So they kind of, so it wasn't, it wasn't a natural production car. It was a kind of their interpretation of, of what I've been doing. So, so I think, think there were some differences on the front bumper and maybe the hood. Yes, there, that's, that's, that's exactly it. He pointed out to me. Right. That, well, that's what I'm curious about because you, you see with, um, Today they've gone ahead and they've sort of reintroduced some of those elements, right? The the three on the yeah, product yeah, yeah. the production car, the three vents uh, on certain yeah, cars. The one they showed didn't have that. I think it was just one black slot. I can't remember. It was, yeah. So so I'm yeah. curious which one is closer to what you the, the three slot is the one I did in in, in the place in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, and um, you see what they've done the motorsport. They basically done that form on the on the hood and they've done the fenders, but they they were very crudely executed. They weren't kind of in terms of the kind of modeling and, and, and the, the, they didn't have the kind of the final sophistication. I mean, probably in the photo you don't notice that, but I, you know, I had to work on those surfaces and get them all highlighted and get them working. 
Um, and there were other things like, you know, the, 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 rear, the rear pillar where it runs up with the crease line over the roof. We didn't have that uh, originally, so I introduced that because that was on the production uh, quattro. So, you know, lots of detail work, basically. Right. That's fascinating. It looks like on the pictures of this early one, too, that they that those openings aren't functional. They're just simply denoting huh, the yeah, openings. Probably, probably. Yeah. Um, so what was it like in that? You know, I, I read back on that period. Um, I wasn't around during that, The uh, or at least I wasn't you know, cognizant of, of what was going on. But it, it seems like, especially the world of rally and how that pulled into... Um, pulled these cars into the spotlight, it seemed like there was a lot of attention about the Group B development, uh, you know, even even, yeah. even to the point with like the early, uh, I forget what it was called, was it Group S afterwards, where they, they started to test the mid-engine cars even behind the, uh, in East Germany, uh, to try and keep it away from, from photographers. Was there any concern or challenge for you in trying to work at the, all the attention from the motorsport press that may have been on this project or Group B's development? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, I did. I worked in the. I, I, I used to hang around in the, in the motorsport department because I used to do all the kind of the, 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 you know, the stripes on the cars. So you know, all these the classic. You can look at all the quattros, these classic, um, you know, the, the um, orange, gray, and brown stripes. So I used to do that on the cars, and uh, so I'd hang around there. And uh, you know, this this sport quattro was totally, uh, you know. The secrecy behind that was just amazing, but other stuff, I don't know, you know. Um, I mean, I never, I never, I went to a few of the rallies, but I never got asked by the press what was going on or anything like that, you know. And, um, but you didn't but, have... you know, that car, you know, that, uh, I'd already left Audi uh, at the time that uh, the car was actually shown at Frankfurt Show. That was uh, when I departed. Oh, okay. Well, um, but you know the mid the, the little mid engine one they were doing actually they did that in the in the studio in Munich with Martin Smith and I think it was the one that they revealed recently that never actually went into rallying uh, but right. uh, they they did that one in the Munich studio. Okay. The the ones that there are there are a couple of photos of I think when they were testing I don't I think the one they recently yeah. that one didn't even have an engine in it up until about a, a year or two ago but the um. The, the 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 test photos I think they have of it, it looks like a sport quattro but with the proportions are a little off and and there's very grainy it looks like they, you know some guy in the middle of the woods was was photographing it um yeah and rumor is again but is somewhere in East Germany uh, at the time but possibly, possibly. It, it it was just interesting I mean, to me that that, the, that, that, that would uh, that would have been difficult to organize that because you know that was still communist yeah communist Germany so I can't I, you know um, but I mean, Wolfsburg was very close to the border then, so you can tell. But I, I mean, I didn't know anything about it. Right. Uh, you know, maybe that was. Uh, it, just more, more curious in the context of the time, if somebody was, if they actually had to go to the lengths of testing it over there, and some a photographer actually went over and shot it. I guess where I'm going with that is, I was curious if if you were ever given the secrecy around Sport Quattro, if that was ever a challenge for you in trying to keep that secrecy. Not at all. I mean, God, you know, this business is about secrecy, and you know, uh, if you open your mouth about anything, you soon people soon know about it, and you lose your job. Well, you didn't have you didn't have photographers behind <laughs> behind corners no, in in like Constance I mean, or anything. You know, and it was interesting because uh, when I went down there, they gave me the most um, 
unauspicious car because they didn't want any attraction. So they gave me a, a four-door uh, Jetta you know, <laughs> and, and that horrible limp breed. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, this is the choice of car for pensioners, and that's all there are down there in that corner. So, you know, you'll, you'll, it'll be at home. You know, so I was, I was thought, a business trip, I'm going to get a nice hot car to drive my game in a seat for sure. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I didn't want anybody noticing. I said, you know, if you park that somewhere, nobody's going to pay any attention. Um, I used to, I, I, I had a hotel on the German side of the border down there in Constance, so I was going through the border every day, and the, the guards there got a little bit suspicious about, you know, what was I doing? Um, they asked me, and uh, you know, that was that was it. Ah, interesting. Well, before we move on from your time with Audi, you said one other thing a, a few minutes ago that was very interesting to me. You said you were putting the stripes on cars. Is that literally you were putting uh, the liveries on the cars, or were you designing the liveries on the rally cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was me and Peter Schreier. We did the um, that iconic uh, kind of striping on the the very first rally quattros. You know, that the works colors and the um, Orange, gray, and brown. Interesting. And Michelle Mouton, hers was sponsored by BP, so they, uh, I don't know if it was the internationals, it might have been just French rally, so she had one in BP livery, which was kind of a yellow, black, and green, I think, with the mm -hmm. same basic graphic. Yeah. So we'd, we'd go over to the department and tape up the cars for them to spray. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, you move on from Audi. Where do you do you go next to Porsche or where do you? Where... Yeah, yeah. I went to. I was. Um, I knew a lot of the guys at Porsche, and they were they were looking for some assistant studio heads. And I was very friendly with well, a lot of the guys there. Um, there's the kind of designer mafia, and then they just called me and said, "Look, we got some. We've got an interesting job here." I was, you know, as I said, um, I thought it was a good time, maybe. I mean, to look at uh, some new opportunities, and they offered me that position, so I went to Visark to, to Porsche. That was uh, January 1984. So right in the height of sort of Group B, too. I'm looking at the next car below the Sport Quattro on the cover of your book. Uh, yeah, that was um, – yeah, I mean, when, they went, when I arrived at Porsche, they, just, they were starting on the 959, so the, the, the production version of the concept car, the Group B. They showed, interesting enough, they showed it in Frankfurt at the same time as the Sport Quattro. Mm -hmm. And they, um, then it was a case of turning the concept car into a production car and all the things that go with it. So that's when you get involved with things like cooling and, you know, maybe you need vents all over the place and God knows what. So it kind of did change a bit. I didn't have anything to do with the 959 exterior. I worked on the interior, but that was essentially a Porsche 911 interior. I just it was just kind of cosmetic stuff. They they needed a, a kind of console between the, the seats because it had the, the, the drive shaft uh, for the for the four wheel drive. Well, you know, lots of stuff like that. It had its own individual seats and graphics. So I was I was working on the interior, and um, they, they I mean the, the 961 with the Le Mans car that was just that was another thing where it just the, the motorsport department at Porsche were working on that, uh, um, also similar to Audi. Nobody in design knew about it. And then the Tony Lapine said, uh, they're in the wind tunnel in Stuttgart. I think they'll need some help from a designer just to sort a few things out. So I went down there, and that thing was there. And then, God, it was also 
ugly as hell. <laughs> um, uh, so I just worked. I worked on it for like just about a week, I guess, trying to sort out the servicing. But you know, it was. And that again, you know, it's I guess iconic. I I, I guess the first time that that moment with Mark came before. Walter Rowe was driving it, I can't remember. That's the one that's on the picture of the book. So it's, yeah, it's a bit cheeky of me putting it there because I just, you know, I worked on it for about a week. But the okay. just said, well, you, you, you've had your hands on these things, you know. Sure. <laughs> you know, so um, again, it was a case of capturing the, um, the kind of character of the production car that everything on it, apart from the greenhouse, was completely new. Uh, so just working on that, you know, adjusting the surfaces, just trying to make, you know, um, you know, silk purse out of a pig's ears, we say over here, you know, <laughs> you know um, and that was it. But I was, you know, there were other things going on at Porsche at the time. You know. Did you uh, do, did you work on some other things beyond that, or did you move on? Yeah, from- I mean, when I, when I, when I, when I went, it was a bit strange because I, I, I uh, joined Porsche. My specialty was exterior design, and I got there on the first day and turned to Pete and Alex, and he said to me, Bertie, that's my nickname, he said, we're going to put you in interior design. And I thought, okay, it's not really why I came here. I came here to design the next 911, but hmm. um, fine. So I kind of hung out, and, um, uh, and uh, yeah, then I eventually got into the exterior studio, and they were working on a, they were working on a car there that was a 984, which was... Uh, a small mid-engine car, which it was actually it started off of a project for SIA, a Spanish company. Basically, Porsche developed an engine uh, for SIA. Uh, for that, they had a little a little hatchback uh, about the size of a golf, and they had a, an engine in it designed by Porsche. Was, they had on the top of it system Porsche, and Porsche was out looking out for opportunities. So they decided, not with without asking SIA. To take that engine, a little transverse um, four, and create a little engine uh, sports car. Hmm. And uh, this was the 984, and that was going on. And um, uh, so I, I, when I eventually ended up in the exterior studio, I was there with Wolfgang Mervius, was the, was the guy running it. He was the guy who designed the 928. And he was running it, and that car was fairly well advanced. Yeah, um, and, and they kept they kept putting it on hold and stopping it, but it, and they showed it to see it. See it said no, they weren't interested, so they carried on. And then they decided, well, we're not going to use the see it engine. We'll develop a four-cylinder boxer engine, uh, just basically based on the engine was in the 911, and it had a retractable uh, hardtop, uh, which was. Originally, they wanted to have it kind of sliding down the back and sitting over the top of the engine, and that was too expensive. So they they worked on one which was just like a, you know, like a garden, you know, like a gate. Uh, it just had a hinge point behind the headrests on the, uh, of the of the seats, and it hinged back literally. And it and because when it was back over the engine cover, it was like an inverted kind of like clamshell. It drove a very high rear trunk lid. And then I had to keep moving the hinge point up, and it got a re- it really got pretty proportion-wise a bit odd. <laughs> anyway, it, they they stopped it. Um, so I was doing sketchbook on that again. Uh, I wasn't really working on the models, but I was contributing to the sketch program. And um, there's a model of it in the Porsche Museum. Is there? Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, that was a, they built, built two prototypes and they fitted them with um, Volkswagen transporter engines. So you kind of, you have a car come into the viewing yard and it's got this kind of typical beetle noise coming from the door, just sounded terrible. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Anyway, so it was that, and then we were, you know, we were doing all sorts of stuff. We were doing, um, uh, Porsche were running an Indianapolis car. And yep. they wanted it with a small V8, and then they wanted to do a, a car, front engine car, to replace the 928 and the 944 using that engine. Uh, so we were working on that, and then that got put on ice. They were they were having they were financially in a bit of trouble. Our sales in the states, I think, had gone down. And so and then they um, and then Professor Porsche, the original Porsche, he he um, he would not give the go ahead to do a new 911. He just wanted his, he wanted his old 911, so they had to do the 964, which was essentially 80% more new. But it was based on the body shape of the old car, so they retooled it up. Everything was retooled. It had a different platform to take four-wheel drive, different suspension, and, um, you know, it looks like the original 911, but it was completely retooled. Were you he, in- wouldn't, he, he wouldn't do a new design. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. Right. Full disclosure, I have a, a 1990 Carrera too. Um, love the car. But were you involved in that one? I didn't. Which one was that? 964. I know. I mean, that was going on when I was there. Now, that okay. Was by um, uh, Dick Soderbergh, who's in the studio. They were doing that, and they were actually the, the turbo version was going to be like the 959, and uh, with a kind of that heat spoiler at the back and all the stuff. Right. Um, and then they canned that and just did a kind of slightly wider version of the, of the, you know, the Carrera. But the original turbo version for the 964 would have looked like the 959. And then they, you know, cost they, the cost cutters got in there. Yeah. It's interesting. I just recently picked up a, a really great book. I forget the name of the author. I wish I could name it now. But it, it was, um, it's on all on 964. I just got it about a week ago. But the that, that was the first time I'd seen those drawings. And it's exactly what you describe. It's it's. Yeah. it's Slightly more cleaned up for, you know, it's not quite as... Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, because the, the 959 was pretty, you know, it's, you know, it's wide and it was, you know, and they, but they wanted that flavor, so they, they took over the, the, you know, that hoop spoiler at the back, and, and it, so it was it was linked to the 959, but then it killed it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, given your Audi history, I'll ask you another car of that period, which I'm, I'm curious if you interacted with it all, is the RS2, given that you'd already worked on the, the B3 at, at Audi. Uh, no, 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 I don't. Okay. Yeah. Was that going to... The only to- thing I worked on, the last thing I was working on was the V8 Audi. The Audi V8. Okay. So I, was, I was working on that. And uh, originally that car had the Porsche 928 engine. Oh, no kidding. The prototypes had the Porsche because you know Pete was always looking out for to, you know trying to get business with Porsche. I guess the 928 wasn't running so well, so he thought, well, we can use this engine in the in on the V8. So they and I went over to the running shop with Marcus and, and Pete, and this was you know there was a prototype. So they literally you know got an Audi 200 or 100 and then squeezed that Porsche 928 engine in it, four wheel <laughs> drive it. It got nine got the 928 wheels on it. They pulled out the fenders. I tell you, that they looked really mean. <laughs> and, uh, and they were, you know, chasing up the order bound between English and Munich and that thing, pushing, pushing Mercedes off the road. 
Yeah. Uh, but in the end, it, um, actually, Porsche uh, in Stuttgart did a performance as well. Uh, they were involved. And then that was literally the time they left, and then they made a decision to develop the other engine. Yeah. It's the, it's so fun. That was the, that was the last Okay. It's funny how those, those, I find those mule cars to be pretty fascinating. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was the same with the mule that you did for the original Quattro, which was an, uh, the previous generation Audi 80. Uh, Tracer got this thing, and it, it got all the complete drivetrain and engine turbo that got the Quattro, and it was the body of the old, the previous model Audi 80, hmm. two door. And that thing was a cute car. You know, he would do the same. He'd be, because then at that time, the image of Audi was, was not so good. So, you know, you've got a car coming up, you know. That, those were the days where you had the kind of overtaking prestige in Germany. It was a very aggressive driving environment. People were flashing headlamps. You had to, you know, the, the, the overtaking lane was reserved just for BMW and Mercedes. And, uh, you know, they were coming up really fast speeds. So, you know, German drivers are really well disciplined. You know, they, they, right. they're looking in their mirrors and they, they you know, I don't think there's any better uh, environment for safe driving than the German autobahns because people know people driving fast and huh. you know, they, 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 you know, they handle themselves accordingly. But yeah, Trace is blasting down the autobahn and this, what looks like an Audi 80, you know, the car of, say, of, of retirees. Right. This thing, you know, it's just, he's, he's up behind these Porsches and bashing them. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a great so part of history that gets lost. Politically incorrect, you know. What's that? It's politically incorrect these days to do all these things, but that's the way it was. Yeah, well, I, to me, that's a fascinating part of this, right? Because so much of it is, you know, is documented when you talk about the design or you talk about the production history, but those test mules and, and, and a lot of that uh, is sort of this great untold element yeah. of it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky, I think, when I see how the time I worked in the industry, you know, I, I started in the very, you know, pre-digital, and it was a craft. It took eight years to develop a car to go out the road. And, you know, I was lucky to work at these companies, and, and so I, I, I think I've really experienced the car industry at its best. And, um, you know, with no disrespect to where things are going now with autonomy and electric cars, it's, um, you know, in some ways it's a bit of an end of the era. Really, so I'm glad I was there when it happened. Sure. That's a little bit about my book, you know. I've, I've documented that. That's that's why it was important for me, because it's gone. If you don't tell it, it's gone. Well, let's talk about the book a bit because this is fortuitous timing. You you have a, a book about your career coming out. I believe it's. It, uh, I'm looking at Amazon now. It looks like it's available for pre-order and will be available in April. April, it's going to be. I think they're rolling it out in, in Europe. They, I think uh, on the Amazon side here, it says March the second. If you look at the ones in like continental Europe or the states, maybe it says April. So you know, I know that uh, the publishers said the bulk order of print of copies are coming in um, right now as we talk. Uh, and I say I've got an advanced copy. So yeah, it's um, you know, it's been a long time. You know, I started writing in 2018. Uh, 2014, I beg your pardon. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to get finding a publisher. So, but then it worked out a lot. And, uh, yeah. So, it, it, yeah. just a quick summary for uh, for those people who may end up listening to this interview. The, the um, it, it covers your, your... Uh... It's my life. It's, you know, and it's it's from the day I was born to the day, you know, I, I, I walked out of the industry. Okay. 
you know, 2014. So it's my life. And uh, it's not a kind of a dry, it's not like uh, people are expecting me to go into the details of this car and that car. They're not going to get that. But they're getting my story, you know, growing up in England, going to college, moving to Germany, and everything about that. So there's lots of anecdotes about things that are not necessarily to do with with cars. But I've tried to mix it, you know. I don't want it, I didn't want it to become too dry, too boring, so I'd switch. But that's how it is. It's just my story. That's fan- that's fantastic. And so it, it covers in depth your time with, with uh, Opel Vauxhall, then Audi, then Porsche, Mazda after that. Mazda, yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you carry on. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier there's several Polaroids from your time in Lake Constance working on the, uh, the Sport Quattro. Any any uh, hints at what we'll be seeing when we get our hands on a book of uh, of, of, of that portion? I know my audience in particular. Well, about, I think there's 285 photos in that. So there's loads of you know model pictures of models, sketches, uh, also private stuff. You know, family, friends, God knows what. Uh, so it's all there. And um, right up to, you know, I say when I walked out the door. Um, so I think it's a good documentation. Yeah. So, so um, and for those who maybe haven't looked at the book yet, you, you, you touched on this earlier. You moved on to Mazda after, uh, toward, yeah. towards the end of your career. It looks like the Miata, um, which generation would that be? That that you... That's the third generation. That's the NC model. Okay. Yeah, which we worked on in the studio around in Frankfurt, and uh, so we were pretty heavily involved in that one. And um, yeah, I mean, we were, you know we had a studio for what they call a satellite studio, so we were feeding into the main um, Mazda development uh, team in, in Hiroshima, and um, they kind of cherry pick, they'll take this and take that, and they develop all the cars were developed at Hiroshima, and the, the satellite studio was one of the states in Irvine. Where the legendary Tom Matano worked, who they say is the father of the NX5, you know. So mm-hmm. we we just fed into that process, and uh, that was our job. Well, if I may, so I if you can indulge me for a minute, I have another question about that period. That it's something that I'm I'm actually researching for another story. But given that you were there, you may have interacted with, especially if you were hanging out at Audi Sport. As I understand it, at that time they were at a an old supermarket that had been converted. Um, yeah, yeah, Odeka, Odeka supermarket. Yeah. A, a what supermarket? The, the, the company, they, the, the name of the supermarket was Odeka, so E D K A. Okay. They still have a Odeka, and it was an old supermarket. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, as I understand it, there was as they're beginning to develop the Quattro, which you were involved in. The um, they had some some the Volkswagen Iltis, the the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's where the, that's where Pierce got the idea. They were winter testing in Finland. Okay. And had he known, he just noticed that this this vehicle was just you know getting through everything, and uh, he just thought you know snow covered um, stages of Monte Carlo, this thing could you know just you know drive off into the distance. Right. But that's where it came from. And that's you know. That's, uh, what? As I understand it, they sent it early on to as they're as they're getting prepared to to pitch the FIA on allowing all wheel drive into rally. They they send Freddie Kotalinski to Paris Dakar in one of yeah, these things. Yeah, I think they won it. They won it. Yeah, yeah. In the second. Yeah. So. <laughs> what almost seems like it was you know I mean it was a campaign as a Volkswagen and it was just this. Yeah. 
odd looking military vehicle, but it clearly, it, it, it seemed to be testing the technology. Yeah, I guess it was fairly light, you know, I, I don't know whether it had the five cylinder or the four cylinder engine, but uh, yeah. Well, that's, so the production Iltis had a four cylinder and, and I think yeah. the, the one he raced in Dakar may have had the four, but I, I was reading Jeremy Walton's uh, book Quattro uh, from back in the eighties. Oh, and and he mentions the the Freddie driving around in this five cylinder powered Iltis that yeah, was. Yeah, there was a. I remember. I mean, they did think about doing a civil version of the Iltis. And I remember we did. I don't know whether we did it in English that, but they did a kind of a you know a luxury version. We painted it in a kind of pale brown and got leather seats in it. And, and you know maybe that was one where they might have put a five cylinder in it. Oh. But they were thinking about that, doing it kind of a. You know, upmarket version of it because it was basically just on for the military. Right. But similarly, I guess to like the G Wagon at Mercedes, right? There were some luxury uh, intentions, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, well Peter, I, I, I mean, I, I would love to, if there's anything else you would like to cover in this, um, otherwise, I, no, I, just, I sincerely. Just tell, just tell everybody to buy the book. <laughs> we will definitely do that. We, it, it, for the magazine, okay. I, I we intend to, we're going to do a, a a bigger piece on you and I, um, okay. and then what we're going to do in addition to that, I'll I'll make a mention of it in the the multi page layout on this, and then we have a, a second section in the book that kind of focuses on it's called choice gear, so you know other Audi things that pop up that people might watch a model car whatever, uh, and we feature books in there as well, so we're also going to feature it in that. And then we'll we'll do something. Uh, we'll do both those pieces eventually on our website as well. Um, our next issue of the magazine comes out right about uh, well early March, so before this becomes available in the U.S. But enough time to pre-order and okay. drive attention to it. Well, th thank you again, sir. I really appreciate it, and it, it's it's a huge good. honor to get to chat with you. It's wonderful stories here. Yeah, all the best. Uh, yeah, just give me a call anytime, George, and any questions you might. Will do. Thank you sincerely. Okay. Nice to see you. Take care. Bye bye.